water. Earth. Fire. Air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. A production by the Novice Elitist Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. A podcast about all things Avatar. Deus Ex Machina. A god introduced by means of a crane in ancient Greek and Roman drama to decide the final outcome. Or, a person or thing, as in fiction or drama, that appears or is introduced suddenly and unexpectedly and provides a contrived solution to an apparently insoluble difficulty. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, those in between and unaffiliated to Bending the Elements, an Avatar podcast by us, the Novice Elitist. Here with me is Caleb, and I'm Isaac. Caleb, at this moment in time, how are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm I feel like I'm finally coming to terms with the fact that we've only got four episodes left. You know, and we're already in the already in the climax according to the episode title. Which I'm not. I, I wanted to ask you: Do you think they should have made this a four parter, like a TV movie? Uh oh oh. You think like they they don't interconnect at all, or they should like. You think it should not been split into four parts and should have been one instead? Yeah. Do you feel like from this part alone, do you feel like this feels like it's uh, so tied in that it needs to be a part of and have the same banner? So is this comet. Like think about the previous penultimate episodes that weren't tied in to the the final. Or maybe they I guess they didn't do it with the second season. It was only the first season when they had that, I think. Well, with the Northern Water Tribe Fortress arc, that was like the, it was Master Paku first, and then it was the other two episodes, or like Sieges of the North, excuse me. And we were like, ah, they could have extended that really uh, with Master Paku. That was that whole one kind of felt separate, and just Katara finally, you know, learning her, applying her waterbending moves or waterbending skills finally. Yeah. But then Siege of the North was like its own thing. So in the, in the end, it was like um, a prelude to that whole Siege of the North. Yeah. And, and I was also thinking a little bit about the kind of the desert segment, like that all stuff felt super duper tied into each other, but they didn't subtitle uh, or maybe not subtitle. I don't know what you'd call it. They didn't uh, combine together. They didn't, cause, cause remember in, what was it? The Serpent's Pass, I believe, where that was like a little duology, at least by this Blu-ray standards, or at least whoever, yeah. whoever idea it was where they put, was it Serpent's Pass and the Drill together? I think so. And, and that's that's actually the only reason I bring this up. If it was like it is on Netflix, where it just said Sozin's Comet Part 1, The Phoenix King. Like if they did that on the Blu-ray, I, w- I wouldn't really you know think too much of it. It's the fact that they put all these in one big hour and a half long episode. It's like, I don't know, that that seems, I don't know if these quite are that interconnected, at least from this first part, I won't spoil going forward. But this one feels like it could stand alone as its own episode to me. Uh, I I disagree. I think, I think this is almost the, 
it almost seems like maybe two halves potentially, but I'm I think this could be a whole thing because I think both of them feel like or I think all four of them. Well, I've only watched like the two because I could have watched I you probably watched the whole thing, but I was like, no, I'm gonna like only watch the two for this recording. They're set up. They're they're honestly to me set up for you know what comes next and the rest is just action. So it's like nuts. No, it's like in any of the Godzilla Earth movies where it's just like everything sets up the action for the end uh and explains everything properly so i i feel the same way where they like get they drive everything home here and then like the second half is all action well again i ask uh i mean isn't that what they do in most of these episodes like again that desert kind of uh or the whole oppa being lost plot i mean there's so much build up in that and i I don't know i maybe it's a stupid point but (laughs) like i don't necessarily feel like this should have been included i've maybe a, a final two-parter or a final three-parter this one to me feels more separate interesting i, I don't think that i think it's all connected i i not just because it's you know they say it's you know phoenix or the Susan's comment uh t- in the title it's just like no these these do technically feel like it just all feels like setup well yeah i guess we're... i mean okay sure the whole pardon me the whole series is a setup for, for this whole thing but just like exactly these yeah. last like, <laughs> these last two do feel like uh, they they do tie in with the last two episodes. Well, that I guess that's fair from my perspective. Excuse me, I have to make that yeah. statement. Well, either way, uh, h- how do you feel about them putting them all together as a special and not giving you the option to uh, watch them individually? Because that that's mainly my complaint. Is I, I don't know why they made that choice. I guess there is that there is that uh, complaint that you can make, and yeah, no, I guess that, that is valid. But it's what they wanted on the Blu-ray. I if you have the Blu-ray, that's annoying. I have the, you know, like I said, I have the DVDs, so I could just, I'm, I'm pretty sure they split those up, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, same with on Netflix. Yeah, split them up. There you go. So, uh, yeah, uh, you can be angry at that, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm angry. But. <laughs> that's fair. But, well, not just you, but like a listener, like you, the listener could be mighty peeved at that, and uh, I care very little and or have no feelings towards this one way or the other of like if it's all one or, or not i'm just like eh because i feel like you can just you know sp- skip ahead it's all about convenience isn't it yes but for the the purpose of this podcast will you be disappointed that this will be the last episode that you'll have the ability to say whistler son let's uh yes let's jump into that that's that's definitely true <laughs> oh wait sorry just before we jump into that, let me quickly read the summary for us. So, we begin this episode, like many a Book 3 story, with Aang training up on his firebending under the fierceful tutelage of Sifu Zuko. But as the arrival of Sozin's Comet draws near, Zuko's training becomes more intense, as Aang's abilities continue to show cracks. And much to his dismay, he seems to be the only one taking the training seriously, as the rest of the gang seem content to slack off and play at beach parties all day. And after confronting them on it, Aang comes clean that he's given up on the idea of taking on the Fire Lord before the Comet's arrival, knowing that he's unprepared, and deciding it'd be worth it to wait until he's ready, despite the increased power to the Fire Lord post the Comet's arrival. But Zuko comes clean on some hidden information of his own, and it turns out that waiting for the Comet's arrival would put the whole of the Earth Nation at risk, as the Fire Lord plans to use his new Comet abilities to wipe them off the face of the world, repeating the genocide Fire Lord Sozin wrought on the Air Nomads. As a result, the gang kick up Aang's training regimen, trying to prepare him for the day he'll have to bring death to Ozai. 
But Aang's grasp on the elements aren't the only thing that's holding him back from the approaching day, as he's still unsure to grapple with the moral implications of killing the Fire Lord. And unable to find a solid direction from the advice of his friends, he goes to meditate on his own, seeking internal resolution. But instead, something else finds him. After a night of meditation, Aang awakens in a daze and walks out into the sea towards a mysterious island. Soon after, the rest of the boomerangs discover his absence, and it's put on Zuko's shoulders to once again go on the hunt for the Avatar. And picking up on some of his old tricks, he seeks out the Shirshu-owning bounty hunter, June, to help sniff out his trail. And before we close the curtains on Sozin's Comic Part 1, we return to the heart of the Fire Nation, as the recently crowned Phoenix King Ozai prepares his army for the sacking of Ba Sing Se, with the newly promoted Fire Lord Azula ruling over the homeland in his stead, as we end the Phoenix King. Thank you, sir, for that. Uh, so get your get your legally or illegally purchased copies, uh, digital or physical, to the timestamp that says zero on it. And please press play right now. Yep. Uh, I don't have this, you know, sadness that you're going through right now where you're losing something like this. This has been a part of our lives these past three years. Good grief. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't, I honestly do not. I'm actually looking forward to going back to the series and watching it like without having to do this podcast. I'm serious. Well, I'll say when I watched this the first time getting to the end, I I held off for those last two episodes for days, maybe even weeks, because I was just like, oh, I I don't want to have to watch this until I I have to watch it because I was watching it for a podcast at that time, too. Whistler's son. (laughs) And I do this with books and shows where, yeah, no, I, I hate getting to endings. I sometimes I can't take it. Sometimes when I'm reading like a book series and I get to the last book, I'll be going like through a grieving grieving process through the last uh, <laughs> that last book because it'll be so tough for me to get to the end. So, so it may just be a personal thing for me. You know, you do. I, I kind of I can actually uh, I'm in a similar boat there. I, I kind of am in a grants where I had this you know book series. I, I, I think I mentioned it like I think on this channel and the other channel. Uh, it was called The Secrets of the Immortal, Inf- Immortal Infamous Nicholas Fumel, excuse me. Hmm. Um, and it, it's a young adult story or young adult series. You know, it's nothing major or anything like that. <laughs> Surprised nobody's adapted into a movie or a TV show. It really should be a TV show yet. Um, don't, but it is what it is. I mean, actually, if you had similar sensibilities to like this show, I think it could be good. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, I spread that son of a gun like I had six books. I I spread that like whole series out in like within a span of like ten years. Oh wow! And yeah, when I finished that last book when I was in uh, Guatemala uh, at my uh, uncle's place, or at least a uh, Airbnb, excuse me, that we were staying at, excuse me, uh, near my uncle's place. Uh, yeah, it was. I I took a moment and like reflected on the fact that I had finished this entire series with over the span of 10 years didn't reread any of the books just kept going and like remembered everything off by memory and just like holy smokes like wow kind of feel satisfied i didn't have that with bersinger when i finished the uh inheritance cycle hmm. uh i never i never had that i just like i finished bersinger and i was like that's it it kind of reminded me of the ending of after our last airbender even though i hadn't seen it by that point but it still was like huh Wow, that's a day. Huh. Anyways. Yeah, and speaking of Avatar Last Airbender, so we open 
book three, chapter 18, the, yeah, the Phoenix King, the same way that we've opened up most of the episodes ever since Zuko joined up with uh, Team Avatar. And that's doing some firebending training. And because things are getting close to the end and Zuko can feel it himself, he is going a little extra harsh this time. He's he's laying it in there. More ferocious, faster, more intense. You know, he's yeah, he's getting he's getting there. Uh maybe not one complaint, but a similar uh thing that you had with the opening is that in the commentaries of this, which I did listen to, I listened to both, which is awesome. Hmm. Um, sorry if I'm giving myself a pat on the back there. Um, <laughs> I did notice that the individual episodes themselves do have the previously on, and this didn't, which was intentional, I suppose. So we did lose that, and as well as the uh, end credit title cards, and then obviously the well beginning opening, excuse me. <laughs> Oh, weird. So they separate them as their own distinct episodes with the commentaries. Yep. Okay. Hey, so they have the ability. They did. These bunch of punks. Oh, <laughs> hey, by the way, we completely forgot uh, who wrote this episode. Uh, I, I wrote it down for the second episode. I did not write it down for this one. I believe this the writer of this episode was Michael Dante DiMartino. Oh, yes, believe, you're right. And right. the director was Ethan Spaulding for his last endeavor as the director of an Avatar show episode. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm glad you had that bit of detail. Mm. Yep. And uh, you know what? Who, who, did, who, uh, who animated this, sir? Uh, was it JM? It was JM Animation. There we go. There you <laughs> go. Nice. Sorry if we went out of order there, but that's the thing because we didn't have that like title card of like you know, who wrote this? Actually, wait, sorry, that's at the end. What am I talking about? Whoops. But yeah, we forgot about that. Yeah, and the, the rest of the game, they don't really understand why Zuko's pushing so hard. We'll find out why in a few minutes. But they're like, Katara's like, oh, you know, like, oh, c- come have a nice, uh, cool glass of this watermelon juice. Like, why don't you just relax for a little bit? And Aang's like, oh, this sounds great. Zuko's not willing to let this go. He he wants him to get back on the practice ground. He's being a sourpuss. Uh well maybe not maybe not fully but he's definitely he's got an agenda going he's like ah, oh, we got there's there's time here we have to we have a clock we have a schedule to maintain it's like Sokka all over again in book two yeah yeah no you're right Sokka has taken the uh yeah he's had a change lately ever since he failed i mean not just that ever since suki arrived back he's certainly one to enjoy the pleasures of the flesh more if you know what i'm saying there you go yeah we saw that previous episode yeah, two episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Um, but what I, what I think is happening actually uh, is, especially with the last episode, and you know, I I think I missed a bunch of stuff I could have said about that. Um, but I I feel like this is actually the intermediate episode between, uh, if even though it kind of ended in like a comedy comedic sense of like, uh, if the, the Fire Lord kills Aang in the in the play, excuse me, in the play. I think this is a transition between like goofy stuff, the goofiness, because we start off with like Yang Tran, and then we see him, you know, Katara's like, who wants some watermelon juice? And and then he like runs over to Zenzuko stopping him, and it's all comedic and whatnot. And then Sokka's like, let's do a beach party. It's like, I feel like there's a slow transition of like comedy and getting us like ready for a lot of drama and intensity that's about to happen. Yeah, and I think that's within the mindset of the the group themselves i think that they're trying to have that levity knowing that they're coming close to the the big finale for them and that some of them may may not make it out of this i get the sense that yeah zuko's the only one expressing and the only one willing to face that kind of big 
fear that's that's heading towards all of them. And they're just having this beach party day. Yeah, the the obvious. Yeah, we're just you know Sokka's going out and he's in the waves, he's in the water. Katara's surfing on the waves. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, then Sokka's making a then they then they start like doing a little like sandcastle competition there. And he makes a cool appa. Toph shows her skills of of sandbending and how far she's come and makes a extremely detailed uh, bossing say. That's that was pretty impressive. Oh, I loved it. Complete with the the Earth King and. His little bear companion. I, I love that. Bosco. Yeah. I thought that was super cute. And then old Sokka, you know, he's putting in his work too. You know, he's he's got that passion. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe not the most successful always, but he, he's passionate with his little version of Suki there. Which, by the way, I just wanted to comment. I, I was reminded that I, I thought that thing looked very similar to uh, the trash heap from uh fraggle rock at least that's what i thought of when i saw it i was thinking of something like i've seen this from somewhere there's a there's a either a meme or there's an image online that's like either this jellyfish or some aquatic creature that's just this you know mound of musk uh, of of like musk or not musk but um mound of yeah yeah i know the guy you mean yeah okay what is that i can't remember what it is but yeah he's a funny looking type of fish and he kind of has a going like a, a, a frowny face going on with him I, yeah. I don't know if that is the case or not but like yeah i'm just like huh what the what the hell is that about but anyway uh their their, their contest unfortunately is interrupted by the judge who just comes in and it's like all oh, these suck and then starts blasting ang with fire yeah by the way I, I i started i burst out laughing when i saw the image of uh, zuko up there doing his little uh it's almost like handguns, like the the loading them and pumping them. And I was like, "Oh, that's funny." <laughs> it's like it's like Snoopy from uh, the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, where he's the World War World War One flying ace, and like to pretend that he's you know firing a machine gun, he like stretches his arms out and like you know as if there's there's a recoil to it. I often do that a lot of times when the Millennium Falcon is uh, on screen in the Star Wars film. Yeah, there was something that just felt like it. It felt like such like a crazy moment for Zuko. Everyone's having this nice party, and he just just comes in, just starts destroying everything and blasting him. Oh well, that's our Zuko. I mean, he did that before. He's a party pooper, after all. I mean, he destroyed. Uh, this is the first time he has destroyed a party on uh, in the Ombre Island. I do like that. Katara comes over, and she's like, "Like, what's going on?" And they're just like, "Oh, Zuko's gone crazy." <laughs> it's like, "Oh yeah, that's just what they think." No, 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 he destroyed my, uh, was it my sandcastle of, of, of Suki? Oh, he's attacking Yang. Yeah, just crazy old Zuko. Yeah, it's that, you know, when he got burnt on the eye, it burnt his brain a little bit too, Kristen. Huh, wow. Uh, well, this, the, Katara a few episodes ago would have been like, see, we, 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 we well, I knew we couldn't trust him. Yeah, she would have been bloodbending him. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is no full moon, or at least recently there hasn't been a full moon, so I don't know if she can do that. <laughs> Hey, you never know. Maybe she's pumping up those powers. She's a master now, after all. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but I, I, I don't mind this little little fight scene between them. And again, I appreciate that at least someone's taking this stuff seriously. But again, it, it does turn out there's a reason that the, the rest of the gang isn't as much. Uh, but do you have much to say about this action before I move on? I uh, really like it. I like the bit where, first off, him, him running completely uh with, with barefoot and hitting 
a bunch of tiles and are like maybe like wood splinters i'm like that I, I would not do that but no all the all the fight stuff is is wonderful and amazing i love you know what him demonstrations that him and zuko do uh with with fire or, or with air i like it a lot it's 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 straight to the point and uh and we get the bit of like i carl's like we need an explanation for what the heck is going on here why are you like you know back to season one zuko or book one zuko excuse me yeah and speaking of straight to the point he's like like i don't know how you guys are all sitting around having beach parties like that 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 comet isn't slowing down it's it's still coming on the same schedule and you guys are acting like this is all you know fun and games and then it turns out that they've been leaving zuko out of the loop and i I'm curious if you if you have any ideas as to why. Do you think they just forgot or? <laughs> yeah. So uh, remember that thing I mentioned earlier about like so, about Deus Ex Machinas and whatnot. So mm. apparently, when the creators were writing the stuff in six years prior to the finale that they were saying in the commentary there, uh, they for they they wrote themselves into a corner, and that was oh shoot how do we justify the fact that the gang aren't training for the comet? Um, what's, mm. what's happening here? And then it's like, Oh, Zuko has this, uh, this, uh, he has this information apparently, uh, and that he should, that he should probably tell the group. So, uh, this is all, a, uh, what, what we have here is a failure to communicate with each other. <laughs> yeah. And just to, just to lay out. Yeah. Ang's basically decided that, He's just not ready with the firebending, and rightfully so. He only picked up his master, you know, a couple episodes ago. How long do you think it's been? Like maybe like two, three weeks, maybe. Uh, summer's end, so uh, two months, maybe. That's just guesstimate. Like I think maybe the wiki probably has a better timeline than what you and I have, given I'm guesstimating right now. Yeah. So yeah, about about that maybe. Yeah, so he just he knows he's not ready. And so he's decided that he's going to delay and, and not go after the Fire Lord right away and and wait till after the comets passed. Interesting strategy. I find that interesting because the idea is, well, usually when war is won. OK, this is <laughs> pardon me. I, I don't know my warfare, I know my my martial arts, but I don't know my warfare, uh, which is an extension of that. But or a better version of that, I guess um they're like okay so the fire nation basically conquered bossing say and is probably spreading their troops out to you know be take control of the rest of the earth kingdom right so it's all about like who has control uh controls territory right because if there's no more resistance then that means well the occupation and or the oppressive force is won hence the war so they're like ah the war's over they won so we're just gonna wait till after the war or after the comet, excuse me, and then you know take back uh, our fight. So they're basically doing the opposite of what uh, Sozin did in uh, the Day of the Black Sun, which is where they're like, okay, we're gonna hide. Like we we th- thanks to Azula knowing this through various means, uh, she they planned a, ahead of time and we're like, all right, we're gonna have this whole defensive force and basically waste time before they show up and then if the when the eclipse ends we can fight them so it's like this time they're like all right let's take a page out of what they did and wait till after they're enhanced uh and then fight them on our terms and then zuko comes in with a uh, dilemma there yeah and we get a flashback to finally seeing that that war meeting that we saw 
right before he decided to, you know, basically become a traitor. Or um, we, we didn't see the meeting, but the him preparing to go to the meeting, excuse me. Yeah, now we finally get to see the behind the scenes, the the actual interactions. And we discover that, yeah, no, it's it's much worse than, than we might have guessed. And it's no wonder that Zuko left because, like he said, he plays the role of the perfect son. And his dad asks for advice like, oh, you know, you've been around these these Earth Nation uh, peasants. Like, well, what do you think about them? What do you think it's going to take to break their their spirits? And Zuko's like, oh, you know, I, I think that they're a pretty tough, pretty hardy folk. You know, and the thing that they need the most is their hope. I guess the the Fire Lord as a way to break their hope, just decides to exterminate them completely. So that, that doesn't sound like a move to break hope. That sounds like a move to, yeah, just like you weren't even looking for a weakness at that point. You were just looking for erasure. So it's pretty intense, pretty intense stuff. To elaborate it further, uh, he, he asks, he's like, okay, so we got to break their hope, literally like kill the baby hope. And then he asks Azula for her advice and she's like, burn it to the ground. And then he's like, so when the fire or when the comet first, you know, well, was recognized as Solzhen's Comet probably happened, you know, prior to that, because they said they've observed it for a while. But when they call it Solzhen's Comet, uh, when did I say Solzhen before I meant Ozai, pardon me. Um, but when Solzhen used the comet uh, to enhance the Fire Nation, he went and committed genocide against the Air Nomads. And now Ozai is going to do the same thing against the Earth, Na- Earth Kingdom. <laughs> That's evil. That is vile, wicked, and dumb. He must be stopped. Yeah, no doubt. So their teammates' timeline of you know, waiting till after is just yeah, no longer an option. There's the dilemma, and they're like, huh. We, we, well, uh, not literally, but figuratively, we have uh, been caught with our pants down. Yeah. Whoops. Oh, I guess um, something funny I noticed on the uh, on the throne in in the throne room scene uh, is uh, when Ozai was uh, you know walking over the map of the Earth Kingdom. I couldn't help but notice his figure and his shadow kind of looked like Aku to me. Oh, I don't think I know who that is. Oh, Aku is the main antagonist of Samurai Jack. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just was like, oh, I kind of look like kind of looks like that anyway. Yeah, and so now this news on both parties, they're both kind of angry at each other, Aang and the gang versus Zuko. Of like, oh, it would have been really helpful for for both of us to exchange this information. Why did we not come together on this? And I'm not exactly sure why. It does feel a little bit like a contrivance. Um, but yeah, it definitely changes up at least for Aang's plan. You know, he's he's in trouble now, and he has to. Yeah, it comes to the. Well, I guess I don't want to jump ahead too much, but it. It puts him in a bad place, and he's he's nervous about what he's going to do here. And the rest of the group, they try to inspire him. They're like, "Oh, you know, we'll we'll take him on together. We, you know, we can we can do it if we work together." But uh, it's yeah, you can tell that Aang's he's nervous about all this. Well, yeah, you know, it's the crunch. He has to procrastinate, and I've been there. I, I do that every single day of my life. So it's like, no, I get it. That's uh, there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of stress comes with that. It'll definitely make a man bald. Wait a minute. Yeah, but I do like because they all they do manage to lift him up momentarily. Of like, okay, maybe we can do this, and they all go in for a group hug, and they even drag Zuko in, even though he doesn't want to be be a part of it. 
And I love that I guess Appa and Momo were just kind of sitting off to the side watching this fight take place. And once they saw the hug, they're like, okay, they can't leave us out. So they leap over to join him. I thought that was pretty cute. <laughs> Human pile, let's go. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet little moment. And they haven't been doing too much lately, so I like all the spotlights that we can get. Uh, but then it's then it's back to more training stuff. This is uh, it, it's actually really like this because we saw I can't remember what episode it was. Maybe you remember when Zuko was learning. Uh, it was uh, book two, episode nine, I believe. I think yeah, bitter work, bitter work. Yeah, learning how to redirect lightning bending. And I I, I like him showing this to Aang, and Aang kind of asks, he's like, oh, you know, this feels similar to water bending, just the kind of method behind this bending and i like that little yeah callback and it's a nice little touch on his uncle again because he mentions that iroh invented this type of uh this move set so i like that yeah based off of water burning so this one is actually a little bit easier for ang to gauge and grasp excuse me because he already has some um experience with water bending excuse me so that's that is nice and he also asked zuko like you know what's the What's the what's the experience? What what's the feeling of you know letting this electricity go into your body and then shooting it back out? And he's like exhilarating, so much power that you know if you're not careful and you're not you know very like you're controlling every minute detail within your body, uh, it could be all be released and and hurt you from the inside. Put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah, I do like poor Ang. He's always looking for outs. He's like because Zuko's like you know if you. It was a pretty risky move, and if you know you you make one wrong kind of step, or you're not quite in the proper motion, and then that's it; it's over for you. He brings up uh, the idea of the, I guess in in this world, like the equivalent to like a one up, or yeah, like a, a one up mushroom, in that sort of, uh, in that oh, if he 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 goes down uh, again, like he did against Azula. Uh, he'll just have Katara get out, get up some uh, that spiritual water from the uh, Northern Water Tri Fortress, and uh, use it to heal him again. So he'll be fine. And she's like, "Yeah, I use that all up against you with uh, with you against Zula." <laughs> yeah, crumbs. And so yeah. Zuko's like, "You must kill my father uh, before he has any chance of uh, shooting lightning at you, or at least before he escalates things further." And he's like, "Yeah, I guess I'll do that." <laughs> Uh, you don't, yeah. you, you got like a, uh, what is it? Like a, a 10 or a 12 or something like that on diplomacy and just managed to barely like scratch, uh, a, a pass in that sense. Anyway. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of this building up throughout the season. Aang's, uh, anxiety about having to take a life and we'll, we'll talk about it. He, he seems pretty squirrely about, uh, yeah, killing, but I feel like we've seen him kill before, but we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> Asterix. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in order for them to prepare as how they're going to work as a unit, Sokka devises a little training scheme, a little kind of plan of action uh, exercise. He puts this representative of the Fire Lord, this Melon Lord, and he instructs that Toph, you get to be the one to, you know, play out this figure and make the exercise difficult for us. And I, I thought this was a pretty cute little moment. I like this quite a bit. You're the sparring partner and your job is to, you know, prevent us from uh, taking the high ground, basically. So she's yeah. the one that has the high ground. Yeah, keep us from having too easy of a fight. 
and make it as realistic as possible. And she's like, she's into it. I mean, this is tough after all. So she starts, you know, creating troops uh, out of like, you know, out of rock for the obstacles for the team to get around as they're going to do like, you know, two teams uh, that go a little straight forward to flank uh, or get the fire melon Lord, excuse me, uh, attention away from Aang as he comes in for the killing blow and Toph. Yeah. She's just maniacal all with this. She's, she's, she's loving this. She's every moment. And this is her, uh, Caleb, this is her third persona, her third <laughs> persona. She was, or she is the blind bandit. She is the runaway. And now she is, as she proudly announces the melon Lord. <laughs> yeah. Even when she's getting too into it, making it too dangerous. And they're like, Whoa, Toph, like calm down. She's like, I'm not tough anymore. Yeah, I'm just the Melon Lord. And it's like, oh no. <laughs> Jeez, now she really does have like, she, she's just like Mick Foley now, where she has three personas. Let's go. Yeah, and I'll say, um, I, I felt like this was, uh, especially in context of this big hour and a half long uh, special, I was like, oh, I don't know how much we needed this in terms of, I don't think this is how their battle plan would actually go. It seems like they're, eh, it's almost like a bit of wasting time. They should be focused on training up that Aang more. I don't know. That, that's just how I felt. No, that's that's true. I, I I agree with you. Where that this I don't know if I don't like it, but it's just like I I see the fact that they probably wouldn't go about it this way because yeah. especially since it's like Zuko should have been the one to tell him. Like, All right, this is what how my father will probably react. I mean, I guess he says lightning, so beware of that. And maybe Zuko will be there in the because this is the initial plan, right? Because they're just like, All right, we're just gonna take him on one on one. Um. <laughs> And they're like, so Zuko could redirect, not that Ang can't, but like Zuko can redirect as much lightning, in fact, like blast it back at him to keep the Fire Lord at bay. Again, kind of that idea of like keeping distance because they have a weapon or they have a threat that could also uh, be deadly. So it's like, okay, I got to like switch to firebending or something like that. So he's like, yeah, we'll have, it's a cool idea. It's almost like a, I kind of like it actually. It's almost like a, a video game thing of like when you have different, uh, styles of, of characters and if they wield different elements not just the you know like air wind fire water i just mean like oh yeah they they have like different roles and whatnot i kind of like that where we'll uh mix up and maybe cause the uh odds to be stacked against fire Lord. we'll see but the main thing that this scene was meant for was the fact that even when it was just a statue even if it is like just a manic it's what the principles that Aang has just are, are too much. I should know this uh, very much. So <laughs> um, he can't do it. He, he just cannot deal. Even if it is like the figurative uh, killing blow, he just can't do it. Yeah. And, and, and rightfully so, you know, I mean, one who wants to murder someone, especially your, your new friend's dad. I mean, that's kind of rough, but not to mention all of his monk training and the fact that he doesn't even, want to take the lives of animals to eat and now he's got to kill this this man yeah that, that's a tough spot to be in and i love how Sokka just indiscriminately is like you hesitated you could get shot by lightning it's like here i'll show you how to do it and then like you know uses sort of cut the melon in half and they don't even show the shot which is hilarious because it's like okay like kids nowadays are seeing people like slash watermelons with swords i don't see how that's violent but of course like that, that literally is not, I, of course the meaning of that is that's why they uh, avoid it yeah they want to focus on the impact of ang shocked by the violence and yep that. there you go a smart thing and then of course 
make a complete joke out of it afterwards is with with Jeremy Zahn's music in the background being like you know this intense um string uh, i guess string section or, or whatever it is and uh meant to feel like dread of like oh man somebody took their light and then there's uh momo just nibbling inside the uh inside the rind of the uh watermelon that had me laughing i, I thought they the way they made the sound effect of him licking it just made the death even more callous of the Mel lord it's like, oh, look at this brutality. And then this this beast comes in and starts eating the, the corpse. No, not the Melonlord. <laughs> Would you, if you, Caleb, were ever to go to a uh, fan convention or something like that, um, would you ever dress up as the Melonlord and have a watermelon as your helmet? I don't think so. I'm not sure if there's anything in this show that I'd want to cosplay as <laughs> that I can think of. I'll probably do that one day myself. Anyways, so... <laughs> uh ang's in the dumps he's in the slumps dumps and yeah not 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 feeling uh not feeling good right now being glum uh it's dinner time he has a really cool meal that i definitely would like to have it kind of reminds me of a meal that i make every now and then um and yeah, just just not not feeling too good i don't know it's not full-on world science violin because it, it makes sense although somebody can't come in it's like oh no you can't like kill a take a person like oh no it's like okay no 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 we're not gonna do that um uh, but tara found something she's she's found news but uh toff says something though she's like i knew something was going on oh yeah now th- this is funny yeah i guess maybe she was just she'd been sitting on this information for a while sh- sitting on her sitting on her hunch that maybe Katara had some moves going on with a certain uh, Mr. Haru. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she saw them, you know, sharing some, a meal or standing and watching the sunset. And she, yeah, assumed that there's some sort of romantic dynamic coming on there. So. And she's like, no. And Toph doesn't say anything afterwards because I assume Katara was telling the truth or else she was like, I can tell you're lying. But she doesn't. So I assume she's telling the truth. Uh, but no, it's a uh, she's up in the attic looking for pots and pans and found a baby picture of Zuko. And then they laugh at him. They're just like, ha ha ha, he's a baby. Yeah, it's like, I. Uh, sure i don't see with humor in that but uh the other thing is uh jokes on you buds that's not even me that's my dad ozai yeah poor zuko tries like hey you know don't be a stick in the mud we're just having fun uh, but no it's his 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 dad as a, a bouncing baby to add to ang's woes even more of like oh wow look at what this guy used to be and just to sell the whole yeah just to sell it to the audience and well not to the audience to the ang of just like yeah see this guy was a human being a baby he had a mother he had a father regardless of how he was raised human being just like you and me yeah now sock over there wants to wants ang to chop his head in half and have momo eat his skull out that's just sick jeez <laughs> is that too much for this feed no, I don't think so. I mean, I was going to bring up a Ninja Scroll reference, but I don't, uh, probably not. That would have been too much. But I like this touch. I think it was, I think it's, uh, yes, another good way to, to bring it home and to point out, you know, everyone starts as innocent and look what he became. That's too bad. Yes, no, definitely. Uh, either, I don't know if it was, he was naturally born to be an evil person or if in, by nature's sake or by nurtured to be a vile person. One does can, that was definitely up for debate if we had more time with Zozai or at least more character from him, but not that he doesn't have character, but just like more interactions with him. Um, but this definitely is like, and once again, trying to find a way out. It's like, what if I can glue bend him, you know, to, to, to not like his limbs to the, the ground? Maybe that'll help. Huh. 
So he goes like, yeah. And then you can show him a picture, the, the picture of his, uh, that, that, that Char has here. It's like, yeah, that'll work. It's like, so he was like, of course not. Like, what are you talking about? You idealist. Get out of here with those, like those, those, those crazy, uh, Kazuki kind of things. Those, those ideas. What's going on here? Big ultramarine. You, you can't do that. And this is where Aang's like, yeah, he bursts out of just like my teachings, my principles from the monks have, have this, these, these morals, these mores, these tenets that I just can't break. Just as you guys all have your beliefs from your culture, so do I. And to break the, these, it's tied into my identity and I, I can't do that. Yeah. Buzzard wasp. <laughs> Hey, we'll get there. Maybe some people in some flying uh, vessels that he may have destroyed and sent to their their demise. <laughs> and then it basically becomes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of a few. Uh, one life for you know a hundred thousand or whatever the population of this planet is. Um, there's there's where it is. Like, is is Aang going to? you know, compromise and end this one man's life and, you know, keep the world back in balance. If, if you don't mind me asking, sir, what, what do you think? What are your, what are your thoughts? On whether he, sh- on whether uh, taking one person's life who has taken many other people's lives is uh, worth it to uh, save ones in the future. Precisely. Uh, yeah. Kill that person, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, I don't, I, I don't, I uh, don't, few things the way that that ang necessarily does i think if this person is that much of a, a hindrance to the rest of people moving forward then yeah that's that's a, a gangrenous limb that should probably be removed to uh yeah to move forward in a better path well i mean it's not like ozai isn't moving things forward because like you said he wants to you know with with this whole thing with like souls and soul idea of you know expanding and providing other people with their technologies that's that's all this is right so he's he is moving forward just in his opinion or in, in his ideal yeah and wants to move forward with a whole type of people erased with wanting to uh yeah exterminate all the earthbenders it wouldn't be like too far to realize not right but it's it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to believe that after the comet leaves uh, he'll probably with no other resistance he'll go wipe out the water tribe i mean he does kind of say you know then we'll all move forward and the fire nation will you know rule everything so oof yeah so i know i don't uh yeah i i appreciate the the dramatic weight of ang weighing this this question but I'm never really on his side with a debate. I, I feel like it's pretty obvious and it's, it's pretty just, I mean, especially once you hear about his genocidal ambitions that that seals the deal, I think. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think when I was younger, I probably agree with Ang all the way of like, let's, let's not kill whether that was, that does come from the religion I was raised up in or, or just personal morals even now it's like, well, I don't know if I'd kill a person at all because then I'd go to jail for like assault or excuse me, manslaughter or murder. Well, this isn't even murder murder in the same way because like murder is like you come with intent, isn't it? Isn't it manslaughter or am I wrong in that? And of course, in this case, it'd all be different because it's in the middle of a war. Yep. Enemy combatant killing is yeah different than if you were just like, 
uh, this this presidential leader. I think he's going in the wrong direction. I'm going to go kill him. <laughs> like, that's a little bit different than if, yeah, if you're in the middle of a war. That's a problem. That's a that's a problem yeah. right there. Uh, <laughs> exactly. There's rules of engagement where it's like enemy soldiers kill each other and you can kill leaders as well. It's like, I don't know if it's justified or anything like that. It's just the war crime thing. That's, that's a whole other story. Um, but mm. yeah, me now it's like, I do see the point of like, especially with Aang being the avatar. It's like he should, while he is to bring balance to the world. Yeah. The larger picture to return the world to its, I guess a peaceful time and not be so, you know, in, involved in war for both like humans and spirits and nature itself. I can definitely see removing Ozai being a necessary thing in that if you get rid of morality, then yes, killing him hopefully returns things to no more war. But we'll, uh, I guess we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, and you say getting rid of morality, but again, I mean, is really is it immoral? I mean, this guy again, genocidal intent. <laughs> That's well, okay, okay, excuse me, okay, sorry, right? Because in in objectively speaking, morals are a human created term, and or like human humanity has has this like more we've created morality and the or the concept, excuse me, of morality. It doesn't exactly exist outside of the earth. <laughs> it's just yes. consequences in Newton's third law. So like, you know, this is all like if if you're just a person who doesn't believe in morality or excuse me, at least understands it, but it's like, no, I can just do it. This is also well, a kid's show. So they or a family show. So they don't want to have Aang just outright murder. Uh, yeah. Man. Without any question. Yep. Yeah, and I think even if you break down morality to, you know, it's it's base function, it's essentially a social contract to, uh, you know, as a way for all of us to interact with each other in a way that we're on even ground and with the people who take advantage and harm others getting some consequence. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think Ozai has not only broken the social contract, he's trying to rewrite it in his own hideous fashion. So if you... If you think of morals as like a real kind of inherent thing, then yeah, I would see no moral failing in removing that. Again, like I said, gangrenous or yeah, it's some sort of infection that's harming the rest of the group. I don't know how else to put it. But. If your if your foot has cancer, will you not just uh, amputate the foot to prevent the cancer from spreading? And the Fire Nation certainly had an ugly cancer leading it for a long time. And boy, oh boy, they did. Uh, <laughs> morality, also called Scout's Honor. And Ozai and Orsozan broke the scouts on her. Yeah, but we still got still got quite a bit more to go, so we should probably get back on the uh, the episode path here. Decided he wanted more of the p- world's pie. Who could not resist pie? Yeah, so Aang, he's sitting off to himself. You know, he's been trying to get answers from the rest of the group, but no one's really really listening to his point of view and really giving him the what he needs to hear. So he goes and kind of retreats into himself and does some seem to be meditating and maybe reaching out into the spirit world, hoping to get an answer that would, uh, you know, satisfy him. And then Momo shows up and he's like, oh, Momo, where you been? Like, you got any ideas on this whole dilemma that I'm in? And Momo just, you know, it's he's probably thinking about eating bugs or something. So he doesn't have an answer. 
I was wondering the plate in front of him with like the foods. I wondered if it was symbols of the elements. We have fire. We have a cup of like liquid, which is water. I don't know if they're if both like fruits or you know, whatever vegetables those are. If they are considered like um, from representations of the earth or the air. That's just me. Sorry, I said to point that out. Um, but yeah, he's sitting there for a long time. Quite a long time. He falls asleep. I guess everybody else falls asleep. And then we get a shot. A shot away from the vacation house and into a forest. A forest with different trees on it. Very different. Out in the water. An island of some sort. I wonder what that's about. Yeah, and we'd already seen this earlier when he was meditating with the light. That there was no island out there previously. And... Following along that kind of ominous development, there's also a strange chant going that seems to be pulling Aang in a, a hypnotic uh, daze. So yeah, some, some fishy stuff going on here. Yeah, at 1527, that island was not there before. Yeah. Okay, now you now I'm interested. Now I'm like, now you've piqued my interest. Let's go. And Aang swif- swims off to the island again in the hypnotic state. And Momo, I guess being worried, falls after him. This is uh this is definitely a call that I wasn't expecting him to make. <laughs> so he swims to the island, like in a trance. That's amazing. And when they get up, well, it's basically, you know, they're all just like, Oh yeah, how's it going? They're about to leave and I guess go to the location where the Fire Lord would be to launch the invasion <laughs> or launch the attack, and they're like, "Hey, where's Zang?" Like, "Uh oh, uh oh, we lost the we lost the Avatar again." And you know, basically, what ensues is just you know a search for him. Yeah, and nothing comes up. Huh. Not the search. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Hold your hold your tongue. Hold your horses. Uh, what they do find is his staff. Mm. He didn't leave. Then leave, leave, because then like, sure, you could probably, you know, water bends like out in the sea or, or something like that. But he's like, no, 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 like, ah, I don't know where to go. And then they find tracks on the beach. It's like, I'm surprised those tracks are still there. But what do I know? Especially like all the footprints from the previous day weren't like, all right, fair enough. Unless that's a point of like oh what if somebody comes by the fire or the fire lord's house vacation houses and sees all these like footprints there well i guess i don't know when the tide would recede maybe maybe he was stepping on it when it's still just super wet and then it got kind of baked in once the sun rose yeah maybe but um yeah they, they traced there and they're like i don't know what happened maybe maybe it was too much for him and uh yeah he flaked out man <laughs> well yeah he went to the spirit world oh or that yeah <laughs> well no i mean permanently oh oh, oh no <laughs> yeah it's like i can't face and kill the fire lord so i'll face and kill the yeah someone else <laughs> as i put it uh he didn't want to be in the current situation he wanted to be somewhere else yeah but they they don't go that way and they think okay maybe he's just hiding in a bush somewhere fearful of having to f- face the fire lord so let's go and track him down you know we'll catch that ang and set him back right in his brain box 
yeah hey hey maybe uh maybe he's he's doing some swamp bending or something like that with the with the or plant bending excuse me with the uh the old plants in the sea there kelp and seaweed so they decide to split up and immediately Toph grips on azuko and she's like i'm going with zuko it's my turn you guys all had your little solo uh adventures and came back better it's time for Toph to get her time and i was at first i was like oh is she like is she coming on to zuko now has she got some the hots for him but then very quickly i was like oh, okay that's what's going on yeah because she's like i read the script we didn't uh you you three you three knuckleheads well or at least uh, well i guess yes yeah, suki counts uh you three knuckleheads got an adventure with zuko how come i didn't get one with him so it's like i demand that i get my time with zuko right now or else yeah yeah but before we see what happens there we get a little brief little callback to the previous episode i guess the ember island uh, players are still running their little avatar show and the lady who's playing the avatar i guess become a little bit of a local celebrity they're all celebrating her and the bad luck of them chanting that attracts uh katara and suki i thought that was kind of a cute little callback I'm surprised they're all cheering for Aang because I thought they were like, yeah, he, you know, we were waiting for his eradication by the Fire Lord. Yeah. They all cheered. It's like, I'm confused. What's what's going on here? Are they just like attracted because Aang's a woman? I, I don't know. Yeah, just a little. It was just a setup for the joke, really. <laughs> of course. But I do enjoy, you mentioned earlier, something about a world's tiniest violin. Well, we finally get it literalized in this this episode. As we see Toph, uh, she's given the, the, you know, her, her sob story to Zuko and Zuko honestly looks a bit bored and a little bit annoyed. It's like, Hey, we got to focus here. But as she's going, the violin background music gets more and more whiny and more and more like sad. I was like, Oh man, this is, <laughs> they finally got there with the world's tiniest violin. If you look up in the corner, you'll see a little cricket playing one. Or... There you go. That, that definitely makes sense. Um, <laughs> I can also say that in the next shot at like let's see 18 12 i gotta say one thing i was noticing that i i didn't notice before my friend they they had a lot of costume changes in this because like they're in their 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 swimwear they're then in their like fire nation garb like literally and now in, at eighteen twelve we see katara and toff like switch back from their um fire nation attire back to their regular attire. So it's like man there's so many changes yeah, that's a fair point. Again, their uh, flexibility out. Maybe they're saving the budget for the this last uh, finale. <laughs> oh, I would assume so. But um, yeah, so Sokka arrives back uh, with Appa and they have found Diddly Squat. Yep. And even more so the rest of the group, they've been looking to discover that, oh, no, not only is Angon missing, but so is Momo. And we get a funny little brief side tangent with with Sokka, I guess he's always been fearful that one day Appa would just uh, yeah, decide that he had enough of that little that little Momo and take a bite out of him and eat him. So I thought that was kind of a, a, a funny random little tangent. But, but yeah, there you go, I guess. I don't know what to say about it, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure Appa's a herbivore, I think. Yeah, that's that's why I thought maybe he would assume that Appa got choked at him and one day ate him. And I guess we did wonder because every now and again we would see them flying and we'd be like, where's that uh, that Momo? And, or, or there was some reason that we thought that he was in Appa's mouth once. I can't remember the reason. So maybe that's where he got his suspicions. Do you remember that? Do you remember us talking uh, about that? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I remember about the mouth. He was he was in his like helmet when he had the battle armor on. 
maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But either way, yeah, it was a fun little bit. But <laughs> where he just opens his mouth wide. By the way, Appa has human teeth. I just realized, or similar looking teeth to human molars. Like, huh? Yeah, another reason why he'd be a yeah herbivore chewing that the herbs. Yeah, because he would. I do like. Uh... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, just because he doesn't have like the canine teeth. Yeah, I do like uh... <laughs> Zuko just being like, "Get rid of that bison's mouth." Like he's so uh, just. <laughs> So straightforward, that guy. Yeah, we know, you know, what's what's your, you know your explanation? The combat two is away, and Aang is nowhere to be found. So, like, what the hell do we do? And of course, as they're you know talking about, as they keep discussing stuff, I just background uh, how Sokka just drools out of out of uh, Appa's mouth. Yeah, and his little like slime cocoon. <laughs> just like yeah. Um, but the other three give Zuko kind of a, a pause. They give him a look. I'm just like, because Zuko's like, hey, well, where are we going to find Aang? And they're like, um, you're the guy that chased him for like, you know, I kind of almost a year. Yeah. Or at least half a year. So if anybody should know how to, you know, find him, it'd be you. Yep. And so he, he starts thinking about, OK, what are some tactics I've used in the past? And oh, I'm I'm happy about this one. We'll get to it in a few moments, but I I was very happy to see this character return. Uh, but before we see what Zuko came up with for his plan for pursuing Aang, first we have to cut to the heart of the Fire Nation, the Fire Nation capital. And this is a creepy little little moment here, seeing all the all the uh, what are they? Are they monks? All these guys bowing or just servants? denizens or just sir yeah that's what like fire fire sages or just people themselves all dressed up cladded in in these robes just to you know in a ceremony almost like you were going to church uh dressed up i mean excuse me so it's like this is now to like bow before you know the the leader of the nation yeah yeah now that we are coming close to the end and azula has been kind of isolated we see her here and she she's even more petulant then we've seen her. Usually she's commanding and kind of mean. Now she's just comes off a bit whiny. You know, she feels a bit diminished. <laughs> I, I did kind of like get a humorous bit out of that where, you know, we, we see the fire Lords, uh, whatever those things are called, but his, his, I guess like his chair uh, being quickly moved forward. And then mm-hmm. Azula's is falling behind and she has that <laughs> like <laughs> face uh, with her arms crossed. Kind of found that a little bit funny. Yeah, starts berating them, and yeah, then we see the fire fire lord climbing up his steps, and yeah, again, I think he, I think they did a good job with his design and just giving him an ominous, ominous air to him, which I quite like. Paladin? Oh, the palaquin. Yeah, palaquin. Yeah, sorry, I don't remember that. I, I actually do not know that word. Um, that's what no. it's called, though. Okay, palaquin. There we go. Um, so she's try. She's like, hey, yeah, these guys are you know slower and whatnot. Uh, and she's like, all right, let's go. And he's like, uh, you're not coming with me. Yeah. And again, this is when you see the petulance. Like she seems much more like a child. Usually Azula is so commanding. But here she's like, it's like, oh, you know, I'm not, you're not coming with me. And she's like, what? But I thought we we're going to go together. And he's like, no, no, no. You, you can just hang around here. Like, I, I'm kind of surprised to see the way he's treating her during this scene. Yeah. Like he has plans and. Well, yeah, you just like just, she didn't factor into the plan itself. Um, definitely the opposite of of Luke Skywalker with Darth Vader, where 
you know, Darth Vader wanted Luke to be at his side the whole time. This is the opposite where like, uh, Ozai's like, no, 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 no. I'm not like, I'm doing this myself, not with you here. Yeah. Again, her petulance. She's like, but, but remember it was my idea to go burn down uh Boston say like, Oh, you can't do this without me. And he is just like silence. You little beast. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but <laughs> wow. Silence. You little Zuko. <laughs> oh yeah. No, silence Zuko. And then that, that gets her in the heart. It's just like, but I'm not Zuko. Um, and then he has a proposal of just like, I need you to stay here and watch the homeland as I'm out and about burning down the Earth Kingdom's house and appoints her as the next Fire Lord. She's mm. like, ah, okay, well now all of a sudden I feel a little bit more. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with this. That's that's all right. However, uh, what does that make you? Yeah, well, he's decided that, you know, now that he's about to exterminate a, a whole group of people, Fire Lord is just, it's its beneath him, the title. He, he should be something a little bit more strong than that. And so he, I guess in irony, he decides to call himself the Phoenix King because, uh, yeah, I guess uh, those Earth Earthbenders, or maybe just the Earth Nation overall, maybe not even the Benders, yeah, they ain't going to be rising from the flames after this. Only him is going to be the one standing above them. Yikes. <laughs> so before a declaration of genocide, he promotes himself uh, through divine right and or whatever, because he says so as the, as the like ruler of the earth. Huh. Yeah. All right. Seems appropriate, I suppose. Yeah. Hey, Filer, watch out. That head's getting so big from your ego. It's a perfect target for Aang to slice now. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay, then. <laughs> Hey, the melon, the melon lord, melon lord, you got that slice. <laughs> but no, I like that moment. I think that was pretty, uh, yeah, pretty intense. The way they did the animation of the flames coming around, I thought all that stuff was cool. And the flag behind him, yeah, the flag bearers raising the flags, and then yeah, the call, uh, like the blasting fire in the call. Yeah, exactly. Just pretty mess, and all the people, all the shot to the animation as well of all the people bowing as well. That was really awesome. And yeah, kind of menacing as well. Yep. Yeah, and that's uh, that pretty much rounds us out. Oh, I guess we do get one more scene. I forgot. <laughs> An introduction of sorts to, uh, or a reintroduction, excuse me, to a uh, previous character from uh, two seasons ago, or two books ago, excuse me. Yeah, so we head into kind of a, yeah, kind of a shady looking little bar. And who's sitting in there beating up some, some folks? But our old pal June, we haven't seen her in quite a long time. But she's still kicking just as much butt as she used to. And this is one of those moments where I feel like there's a touch of uh, a touch of rotoscoping going on. At least that's what I was thinking from some of the motions that we see. I got no confirmation of this being a fact from either Brian or Michael. So hmm. yeah, yeah, just just yeah, that's a shrug right there. So potentially, but it's actually it's kind of weird because Usually we don't see too many like hand-to-hand fight scenes. Uh, we have recently, but still it's like, oh yeah, I guess that was the case. And of course she's beaten up Ryu as usual. Um, just, I don't know, maybe they, maybe that was, uh, they were former lover, lovers. I have, I have no idea. They went out together at one point and then she ended it with him. And so he's always trying to like beat her up. Not, not in like retaliation for breaking up with her, but like if I beat you up, we can go out together again. That's, that's the challenge she uh, initiated with him. So, so we don't get too much there, but we do get that Toph is pretty pleased to see someone who definitely seems up her alley. 
you know, Toph likes someone who can kick some butt. And so she's pretty pleased by that. Oh, and can I just say I love the bit where, of course, uh, even Suki would have to ask this, but um, Toph asks the obvious because she doesn't know who June is, like who's she? That's not a bad thing because, yeah, they, the character doesn't know who it is. So it, and it's good exposition for the audience as well. So that's, that, that checks out. But I love how uh, Sokka's like, oh, she has this like mole creature. And she's like, uh, she doesn't have any like she has flawless skin. She has like no moles on her. I'm like, interesting that you uh, felt that there. Uh, tough. I thought that was Suki who said uh, she has like flawless skin. Yeah, that's why I thought said that. Oh, I thought it was I thought it was tough. Maybe I'm incorrect. I even thought it was a weird comment. I was like, oh, now they're making her seem kind of a uh, little vapid, Suki. That's the first thing she <laughs> notices. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we'll pick up on more of that interaction in the next episode. Because, yeah, before we come to the, the close, we have to get one more peek at Aang. And he wakes up out of his trance, and he's, he's on this strange-looking little island. And it's especially strange when, yeah, we pull out and we discover that not only was it seemingly coming out of nowhere from that little beach that he was at but now it seems to be out in the middle of the ocean so spooky stuff this is some funky shenanigans going on here what kind of practical joke is this we're not even anywhere near april fool's day there you go yeah i think ang's about to get punked that's not good and he ends the episode with where are we and that's where I want us to begin our final thoughts. Where are we with this episode here? What do we think of the first part of Sozin's Comet, uh, the, the Phoenix King? Well, if you're Caleb, uh, it's completely skippable. I, I know that for a fact. For me, I think this what? is necessary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would not say skippable, but, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, for me, no, this was fun. This was a, this is a transition. This is a transition, and this is a setup. This is very necessary for the plot. Uh, because we get revelations and reasons behind why uh, maybe the characters were a bit relaxed in the last episode as well. And mm. why they're still like, yeah, you know, it's just you know, crazy fun times at the beach. We're having a crazy beach party, right? Uh, and Zuko comes in being like, uh, there was this plan that I probably should have told you guys about, but well, I just assumed you guys were going to do anyways. So it's just failure to communicate right there. So I see your point with that. I can, I can buy it. It's like, yeah, they're, they're kids. Maybe they didn't tell everything with each other. Who knows? But um, I, I love well, all the setup. This is this is a lot of fun, and I look forward to the next. So uh, there's action in that there's, you know, I guess characters moving around or at least furthering the plot. I don't know if that's <laughs> nothing really like character. Well, there's realization that the drama is Aang uh, not wanting to kill uh, a person just because of his morals. Yeah, and I think that's the, the the strong core at the center of this episode is, yeah, Aang realizing that he's come to a place where he really cannot pull that trigger. He He's kind of known for a while. He's just not, it's not been fully put to him yet. I mean, I guess even last time when he realized that he was going to have to go up against him during the Day of the Black Sun, he seemed like he was willing at that time. Maybe just the having the time in between made him soften again. So, so I appreciate that. Um, I do feel like there's some a strange gap there with, I'm sure Zuko's been bringing up over and over again, like, okay, you know, speed up that training. We, we got to worry about this, this comment showing up. It seems weird that it's only come up now that they've changed their, their mind about it. Uh, but for the most part, I feel like this is a good building blocks episode. We get a nice little scope of 
seeing this new mystery with whatever this island is and seeing the reintroduction of June. And the genocide plot is a big advancement. So some important stuff in this one. But yeah, it, it's not going to be like a big standout by the time we get to the end. But still a really solid one. But uh, yeah, that's that's all, all I've got to say for uh, the Phoenix King. Would you like to bring us home for this one? Wrap us up? Yes. Yeah, so if anybody's confused, it's like, wait a minute, guys. There's still like an hour and like nine minutes left in this in this thing. If you're looking on the Blu-ray. Yes. If you're looking at it as a complete package, we're doing these separately because <laughs> I cannot trust myself to not talk for four hours uh, about an hour and 31 minute uh, or uh, TV movie, basically, at this point. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll be doing these in parts. Um, maybe if he gives me the uh, tools to the shed, maybe I'll uh, do something hilarious and uh, try something. But that, that's for another day. Uh, thank you for all those who uh, worked on this show. Uh, it's not, not yet. Don't worry, but thank you for making this show possible. Uh, and all you guys' hard work. You guys did a good job. Thank you, sir, uh, for being with, uh, commentating with me on this. It's been quite fun again this is not the end just like thank you for this and till next time where do you stand the whole uh to take one person's life uh over the course of or uh over many other people's lives are you yeah there's no consequences to this or maybe i should find another way just in that just to avoid any like you know unforeseeable consequences in the future and trying to future proof myself it's like it's a good point Till next time, peace.